Hey guys, it's Justin and welcome to another episode of Polar Opposites. So if you guys aren't subscribed, make sure you're subscribed, make sure you're following on Spotify or however else you're listening. And if you love the show, give us a rating, give us a review and all that good stuff. So this week I'm joined with Malik. What's up? <laughs> so Malik and I went to high school together and based on our main topic today, we're going to discuss kind of our experiences growing up and he's also a member of a frat. So we'll also be getting into Greek culture and the ins and out of that. So this week is a great week. I hope you guys are having a good week. But today is the first day of fall. So I know we had a hot girl summer. So now that it's fall, what is it now? Fuckboy fall? Fuckboy fall. <laughs> Last week, I actually started a new segment called Off My Chest, where I rant about something that's been bothering me for the week. And I have a couple for this week, but I encourage you guys, if you guys have something that you'd like to get off your chest, you can always email us at polaropposites.pod at gmail.com. And in addition to that, you can also send us a DM at polaroppositespod. So if there's something that's really annoying you that you want us to rant about on the podcast, we will definitely do that. So a couple of you guys did send us one, and here's what one of y'all said. So, I'm tired of the pressure of perfection due to social media's unrealistic expectation of reality. What do you think about this? I think that's really, really accurate to what a lot of people go through on a daily basis, at least like presently, because social media, the thing about it is it's the highlights of life. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, the failures, it's not like the stresses, it's not any of that. People show you the new stuff they got after they worked their ass off for it, they show you the trip they took after they had to, you know, forego a whole bunch of stuff and save up money for it. Mm -hmm. You don't really get to see the work that's put in. And so it makes it seem like everything that you're doing isn't what everybody else is doing. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of like living this lackluster life in comparison. I don't know. I would agree to some parts of that. But I think that she says like the pressure of perfection. So maybe in regard to looks, I feel like maybe women more so than guys have this like expectation that they have to look a certain way Mm -hmm. based on like social media. But I don't think that I'm always wondering why do people look at social media or magazines like, oh, I'm supposed to look like that. Yeah. Like even for guys, I guess the comparison would be like seeing like muscly ribbed dudes and expecting yourself to also look like that. When in reality, not everybody does look like that. 100%. I don't know why people do that though. I don't. Yeah. For, for me, I don't look at people. And I'm like, oh, these people are perfect. I should look like this. I look at it like, okay, these people look like that. Okay, I don't. Yeah. Like, and I. I'm but I think okay for guys, that. it's kind of uh-huh. different because, like, I don't know. There's always this uh, kind of like expectation for girls to have like their whole appearance together, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of like ingrained in them from like the time they're a child until they're all grown women. Mm-hmm. For guys, it's kind of like you know, you take care of yourself if you want to. Like, I know a whole bunch of gross dudes still have great lives still great jobs still, still living it still living it yeah. still get turned up they have friends they their friends and go away because they're ugly you know what i mean mm-hmm. so there's kind of like less pressure i guess right so it's kind of a double standard in a way yeah. like we can in some ways do whatever you want but for girls they have the pressure to look a certain way yeah okay do you do what makes you happy and at the end of the day a lot of those pictures are photoshopped anyway so 100%. nobody actually look, even they don't look like that so <laughs> I don't know. Do you? Um, Another one that somebody sent in is, I'm annoyed with people complaining about climate change but not doing shit about it. They're more worried about getting likes than actually trying to make an impact. Hmm. Mm. I agree with that. I do. I agree with that because 
I think that in, on the internet, there's so many people that are what I call like internet warriors, I guess. Yes. Or I actually wrote it down, internet activists, I think is a better word. So people have all these problems that they see about the world, but all they do is tweet about it. What is it that you're doing to actually help yeah. the environment besides advocating for paper straws? Because I don't think that does anything. Yeah. I don't know. Also, paper straws suck. <laughs> if we're, we're just going to be honest about it. They suck and they're, they're not going to do anything. Yeah. I feel like the car that you drive emits more harm to the earth than a paper or a plastic straw 100% the plastic bags that you use for your groceries yeah come on if you're gonna complain about paper straws what kind of bags are you using to bag your groceries yeah you know because I feel I feel like people have this idea that since everybody's given a platform they can just say whatever they want and they do say whatever they want but when it comes to action like what are you doing about it yeah like what do you think of that um well I think in addition to like everybody having a platform and kind of saying what they want Mm -hmm. it allows people to say opinions that are wrong that they have and loud they've and thought wrong. over yeah, yeah loud and wrong mm-hmm. and they will fight you to the death over it until you obviously win and they delete their account but like mm-hmm. you can't there's no there's no kind of like vetting process anybody can get on there and say whatever and promote whatever should there be a vetting process is I that mean, are you trying to say that we I should mean, filter yeah, what no, the government should speech, say but like i'm still saying like yo you can't come on and try and tell me I should do this, 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 and this to help save the environment. But you're... We don't have proof of what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You're not doing any work. You're just on here yelling about the things that you're upset about. And that's... You know, you're you're allowed to be upset. Mm -hmm. Feelings are valid. You should want to save the planet that you're living on. Right. But, like, you know, put in the work. If you're going to say, this is wrong... Be about it. Be about it. Mm -hmm. Have options that people can do reasonably and... That'll make effective change. Yeah. Yes, straws. I believe that... Like a drop in the bucket does do something, the grand scheme of things, but compared to actual work that can be done, there's no way you can compare the two. And this is another segue. I know we mentioned Twitter earlier, but I'll never make a Twitter account ever. Really? I'll never make one because I don't want anything problematic that I've said in the past to come back to haunt me because I think that as young people, especially, we didn't know shit. Yeah. And we just said whatever we were feeling at the time based on how we grew up. So I don't think it's fair to bring up those things and then have people explain the things that you know they're supposed to talk about whenever they were so young when they made that decision yeah and it's definitely i don't think fair to vilify somebody about uh beliefs that they held that they might have like grown out of Mm -hmm. because you know people change mindset changes like hopefully we're out here learning shit Mm -hmm. and becoming better people than we were 10 even five years ago Mm -hmm. so like well what okay what how many years will you give for us to forgive that person like when is it when have they learned their lesson we'll see i think it depends so Mm -hmm. if you do something and you're like 15 maybe i can forgive that depending upon the severity of what you said okay like if somebody was using the n-word in tweets or whatever when they were much younger like when do you excuse that can you excuse that see i always kind of hate that because like i felt a way whenever anybody used the n-word growing up that wasn't black i'm sure i'm sure we'll we'll talk about it so it was just like (laughs) So, and plus it's like one of those things, like, you know, you shouldn't be doing that in any context. Right. Like, I don't care if you're with your boys or you're a tween on account, you had like four followers, like, come on, bro. And I don't know, I, I'll never make a Twitter. I don't know if you have one. I do have one. Really? Yeah, I keep it for Are the Are you going to keep it forever? I keep it for the, the jokes, all that good stuff. What if somebody like goes into your feed and like finds your most problematic tweets? Aren't you scared of that? See, so back in high school, I probably had some 
problematic <laughs> tweets. But then my parents found my Twitter really? and I deleted the old one. Okay. And so this new one is way better. Okay, it's more censored. Yeah, I guess. more censored. I still get the jokes off, okay. but definitely not as problematic as I was before. Okay, okay, I, I can you know, I can agree with that. The growth. Okay, we love growth. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we love growth. But yeah, I'll never make a Twitter. So all of you guys that always campaign to save the environment, make sure that you're also doing the work because it's one thing to actually say something and it's another thing to do something about it. So did you have a rant for the week? What do you need to get off your chest? Oh, okay. Um, my get off your chest mm-hmm. is there's this thing where like people are going through tough stuff in their life mm-hmm. or like a hardship, they're stressed out, depression, what have you. Mm-hmm. And that turns from them having uh, a personal problem to them kind of like lashing out at anybody around them. Okay. And then they use whatever problem they're going through as kind of an excuse for their behavior. I hate that. I hate that too. Go ahead. Because yeah. like, first and foremost, regardless of what you're going through on the inside, you don't know what anybody else is going through. That does not give you any right to treat anybody any kind of way just because you're upset that day, that week, that month, that mm-hmm. year, what have you. Mm-hmm. And you'd be pissed if it was flipped. Right. Because they have no idea what you're going through and they're lashing out at you for something that you didn't cause, that you weren't a part of. But, but... Let me play devil's advocate. Yeah. Can't you say that people cope in different ways? Maybe that person's way of coping is to lash out at other people. So True. is it fair for you to say that that's not the way that they should, you know, approach things? I mean, you can cope however you want, but that doesn't really sound that healthy. Because really, you're just like lashing out at somebody that could be a resource in you actually feeling better. Mm-hmm. So you think it causes more harm than good? Yeah. Because maybe if somebody was an open ear and somebody yeah. to you know help you get through that situation, you're making them yeah, you're in a way pushing angry. away a helping hand. And pushing them away. And that makes sense. That makes sense. And that, that is annoying. Do you have friends that do that? Yeah, Who are bro. you talking about on the podcast? <laughs> We can't say any names. We can't say any names. I'm paying for them, you know. I'm still a helping ear, helping hand if they need it. But that shit is so annoying. Yeah. Hey, but be a good friend, though. If you know that that's the way they cope, maybe, like, know that you're going to expect yeah, that. But yeah, yeah. Try I to deal with, with your guards up, you know, ready yeah. for whatever. Hmm. Interesting take. <laughs> um, my get it off your chest this week. This is something that's been really bothering me recently. I know we had the hurricane in the Bahamas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of celebrities were donating um, money to help these people. So I saw that somebody, I think Michael Jordan, had pledged a million dollars to help the people in the Bahamas. And I was reading under the comments and somebody was like, that's all? And I'm like, bitch, how much did you donate? Like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like, how can you how can you say that when, how much did you donate? Like, a million dollars is a lot of money. Yeah. And for somebody else that makes nowhere near that amount of money to criticize somebody based on how much they donated, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. And it's not fair in my opinion because how much did you donate? Did you even donate at all? Yeah. It's so easy for these trolls to sit on the computer and criticize others for how much they donated and they didn't even donate anything. Yeah, and I think that goes back to, like, talking about something versus actually doing yeah. work. But I can see on their end, like, devil ga- devil's advocate, like you said, a million dollars to Michael Jordan is not the same as a million dollars to you and me, you know True, I mean? that's true. So, like, if I had Michael Jordan money, I could probably, you know, stand to throw a little bit more than a million dollars to towards helping people. That's true, but is it fair for us to judge how much somebody donates? Isn't any amount of money? Yeah, I, don't, I definitely don't think it's fair to judge somebody, because a million dollars is still a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a lot of lives that can be saved. That's a lot of 
people that can be taken out of like a perilous situation. So mm-hmm. regardless of it, I think you know. So if somebody does have a lot of money, should they donate more? Like, is Michael Jordan is worth a billion dollars? A million dollars isn't anything to him. So do you think that because he can stand to give a little bit more, he should have given a little bit more? Do they have a right to criticize him based on how much he's worth? I mean. You can say, you know, if I were in that position, I would donate more. But until you're in that position, you can't really say what you would or wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, a million dollars is a lot of money. It is. Point blank, period. Even if that's all he was willing to give, I still think that's pretty amazing. And I think if I was in a position I was willing to give a million dollars, I'd be like, I wouldn't look at it versus my entire net worth. Mm. I'd be like, this is a million dollars I'm giving. This is what I can do to help in this situation. If I was in his position, my concern would be like, yes, I'm able to donate more money, but is this money even going to be used for the cause? That's the thing. Because that's been a problem in a lot of different, um, like, hurricane situations Mm -hmm. specifically. Mm -hmm. I remember... Um, was it Haiti? Whenever they got hit, a lot of that money didn't ever yeah. make it into the hands of the, the people. The third parties, like it. Red Cross and whatever, mm-hmm. apparently not all of that money, 100%, goes to the um, the people in need. I yeah. don't know what percentage, but people say that, hey, all the money that you donate to the Red Cross, it really doesn't yeah, like, 100% go to There's the people who are still, to. like, without power, who are without food, without homes, and that money that was supposed to help them out of that situation still has never come. Right. So I think that's messed up. So again, if you're going to talk about it, be about yeah. it. If you're going to criticize somebody for donating a million, how much did you donate? Yeah. Donate as well. <laughs> come on. So now we're going to transition to hot takes. So hot takes is kind of similar to off your chest, but hot takes is just a unpopular opinion that we have for the week, I guess. Mm. So my unpopular opinion for the week is about marriages. So we are like, (laughs) I know, so deep, right? We are in this stage of our lives where our friends are getting married. And I came to this conclusion. If you have to question whether you're going to be invited to your quote unquote friend's wedding, you're not friends. Mm. I think that if somebody's truly your friend, it'll be like, oh, no question. I'll be there for sure. Like, there's no question that I'm going to be invited. But if you ever have to think, hmm, will I be invited? That's not your friend. Yeah. And 100%, because that, <laughs> that'd be like if your friend's in the same town as you, and they're having, like, a huge party, and you have to think about whether or not... They're going like, to invite yeah, you or not. Like yeah, that, that's weird. I don't think that that person can be your friend, because I think that with friendships, it's like, without a doubt, if you're truly somebody's friend, you know that you're going to be invited. But if you have to question it, I don't think that can be your friend. But when I posed this to some of my friends, they were saying that... Weddings are expensive, so sometimes the people that are on your list that are, you know, set to go to your wedding are the people that really are the closest ones, because you just don't want to invite anybody to your wedding just because you can. So I guess then it depends on, like, the degree of friendship. So Mm -hmm. you guys, like, you know, friends, friends, are you friends because you guys used to see each other every day, Mm -hmm. and now it's just kind of like you speak whenever. Right. So I don't know. I, I think that... (laughs) <laughs> you shouldn't have to question that because yeah. I have friends that are getting married and I haven't got an invite yet. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm not saying any names. You might know who I'm talking about. Look, I'm not saying any names. Y'all need to send us an invite. It's getting problematic right now. Right. I want to go to a wedding. <laughs> I, I love a party. I love a party. Yeah. Whoever this is for, I hope you hear this. <laughs> what, is, what is your hot take of the week? Um, my hot take of the week because there are some new Yeezys coming out. Oh, great. I think everything that Kanye has done with Adidas is disgusting. Really? They're all gross. There is not one single thing that he has made with Adidas that I think is, wow, that 
that's fire. What do you What do you think of Yeezys in general? Would you wear Yeezys? I think the Nike Yeezys were cool, mm-hmm. but I think the the new Yeezys. I think he's got this kind of like shock factor. Okay, from his shenanigans in his day to day life, that kind of brings people in and they're like, "Oh, what's Kanye doing? Mm-hmm. I want to jump on whatever." What's that his is. next move? Yeah, and like you know, not to take away from like his musicality. Like he's a great artist. Great producer, whatever. But design-wise, I think that's all trash. Mm. Might be super comfortable, might be mad cozy, but I would I've, never spend like what, upwards, of, upwards of like four hundred dollars no. resale. Never no, would I ever. I won't do it either. Not a and chance. I'm not even. I don't even like support Kanye anyway. So when the Yeezys came out, I was like, these are ugly. I wouldn't wear yeah, these. Yeah, anyway. I as hell. And all the clothes they look like <laughs> post-apocalyptic wear. Like I'm not with it. I'm not. I'm not gonna wear it. I'm sorry. And that's. Int- I didn't think that you were gonna say that. I thought you were gonna be like, oh, I love Kanye. I love Yeezys. I hate those, what do you, What do you think? Can you separate the art from the artist? Can see, you do that? And I had this conversation. A couple of times this week, actually. But, Mm -hmm. like, when you try to do that, you're making excuses for the behavior of somebody based upon something else that they do. Mm -hmm, That you like. Yeah. And I think that's not really how you should view the person because it's a whole person. You know what I mean? There's no Kanye's music without, like, Kanye's thought process. Without the way he thinks about about the world. Without Uh the way he interacts with the world. Mm -hmm. Like, And it's kind of crazy because I feel like if you even have to think about separating the music from the artist, then the artist is problematic. Mm. Because I, I think about, like, I don't know, one of my favorite artists out right now, Anderson Pack. Mm-hmm. I don't have to think about that with him. Mm-hmm. He makes fire music, right. and he's cool in real life. Mm-hmm. There's, you know what I yeah. mean? It's both good. Because mm-hmm. some people feel like, I like Kanye's music, but I don't like his antics as a person. But some people can't separate, like me, like his antics from... His yeah. music that I did used to enjoy in the past. Yeah. The stuff as of late haven't really liked and haven't even listened to it. So I have I can't like something that I haven't listened yeah. to. But and it's just like oh. it's hard. It's hard. Because speaking of that, um, another like artist from the art Takashi Six Nine or mm. Teriyaki Six Nine, whichever which oh. whichever one that you prefer. Man. So the controversy with him is that he is now like testifying because. I guess he's been locked up for a while because mm-hmm. of racketeering and his gang affiliations and stuff like that. Everybody's mad at him because he's like snitching on the gang and like telling their secrets. Yeah. And in exchange for the information that he's giving, the judge is going to like give him a lower sentence for him revealing everything about, you know, the gang that he's mm-hmm. associated with. So that brings into question like snitching. And actually, I just want to talk about Takashi in general for a second. What, what do you think of him? I think he's an idiot. Really? I think he is somebody who tried to get on used um, the gang for clout essentially Mm -hmm. knowing he was never about that life Mm -hmm. and they kind of just brought him in because as as the court said I think he was just bringing in money for them Mm -hmm. which you know like if you're going to live that lifestyle if you're going to associate like that if you're going to get down like that Mm -hmm. you have to be ready to do what happens and like you can't like bro you can't Spend like what year and a half, two years popping off talking about your this that that you do this that you do that mm. that you roll with whoever and right. that you're really about that and then you you get popped and, and you start you, you, you start are, telling everything. I Look. think that Takashi, whatever his name is, he's clout personified. Yes, like whenever I think of clout, he's the person that I think of. I 100%. knew that all the money and the chains and the guns that he was holding. I feel like he was always flexing for clout. And I so I never took him seriously because yeah. like. Yeah, we never took him seriously. Mm-hmm. I, we always knew that this is what it was going to be if it came to this. Mm-hmm. And here it is. Yeah. And it's it's crazy because, like, 
I see people like, yeah, Takashi needs to come out. I'm like, no, bro, no. he does not need to come out. Well, that's that's. I feel like that with Takashi. I never liked him. Like, I feel uncomfortable with people that aren't black using the N word. So yeah. once I heard that he does that, I was like, okay, I'm not fucking with his music, and I never listened to it. Same thing, actually, not same thing. A similar thing, like with separating the artist from the art is um xxx extension cord what's his name um i don't know how to pronounce it but whatever what yeah about. <laughs> like what do you listen to him like what do you I think, think? Okay. okay so i think my roommate in college put me on mm-hmm. it's like a couple songs and then i heard about like all the stuff that he had done mm-hmm. to his past girlfriend all the wild stuff he was doing in the streets mm-hmm. i'm like this guy is crazy right does and that so, turn you off from his yeah music? like i whenever i listen i was like this is wild he made that one song um I forget what it's I called. I don't even Sad. know his music. Mm-hmm. It's called, it, it was basically about like him mentally and emotionally manipulating his girlfriend into staying with him, saying shit like, you leave, I'm going to kill myself, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like, that's just like crazy. crazy. Like, you can't, I can't support a person like that. And I think it's weird when people are like, oh, but it's still fire. I'm like, no, nah, I mean, bro. I mean, I'm choosing to like not separate the art from the artist, but do you still listen to Kanye though? I think whenever you drop something, I give it that initial run. Oh my god! But because that's it's not being that's being a hypocrite, though. Okay, I'm how can saying, you say, "Oh, I don't listen to XXX Extension Cord," but I listen to Kanye? Okay, because, they're both problematic. All right, but it's different. It's different degrees of problematic. Okay, so uh, Triple Extension Cord, he um, um <laughs> he talks about like crazy stuff, and you know, rest in peace to him, whatever, because he got he got got. But like, he was abusing the people around him. He basically coerced this girl into staying with him for years when mm-hmm. he was beating on her mm-hmm. like Kanye said some dumb shit I don't like but this. he hasn't done anything that's that's violent specifically towards I, I don't anybody. like this you sound like somebody a preacher right now look, look, you're look, picking look, and choosing look, look, what pause, you want pause, from the Bible what I'm uh-huh. saying is like I don't I don't play back new Kanye for for the vibes I don't I don't enjoy it when it drops, I might give it that first no, run you're through. Malik- I give it the first run through, <laughs> Malik- and then I'm done with it. Okay, y'all, Malik is fake. See how am I exposing him for the podcast right now? <laughs> how can it doesn't make sense? If somebody's problematic, it doesn't matter to the degree of which they're problematic. Problematic is problematic. Like if you're gonna not support oh, wait, XXX, you can't support Kanye. Okay how, okay, how does that make sense? That's different though. Okay, so Kanye said some dumb shit mm-hmm. which I don't support mm-hmm. um, I think the worst of which was uh, slavery was a choice mm-hmm. for sure and that's dumb as hell it is dumb as hell but we know that's dumb as hell mm-hmm. I don't think Kanye has been well in the head since his mom passed and I think his music and his lifestyle choices outside of the music reflect that that being said I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as what some of these other people are doing for that, okay. for that, mm-hmm. he still will receive the one listen from me. Oh God, <laughs> I don't know. I think if you're problematic, I'm not gonna listen to you. Whether you like what somebody's doing and it's problematic, and you don't like what somebody's doing and it's problematic. Problematic is problematic. Don't try and justify it because <laughs> that's the same thing people do with the Bible. Oh, the Bible says this and the Bible says that. I don't follow it, but I follow mm. some other Bible verse, so that makes it okay. Like mm. you can't be a hypocrite with stuff like that, and I'm not gonna do that. So I feel that. that's my take on it. So definitely polar opposites on that. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into in the news. So this week in the news, blackface has been making a comeback and it's crazy. And it's terrible. So Justin Trudeau, (laughs) who is the prime minister of Canada, 
um, new pictures of him surfaced from back in the day where he was at a party and he had blackface on or brownface is what they're calling it. Which is stupid. It is stupid. <laughs> and people were trying to justify it. Somebody, some listener hopped into my DMs and was like, is it fair for somebody to bring up somebody's past from 30 years ago? They don't know the intent. What if he had good intentions? But... What is? Can somebody See, have good intentions and wear blackface? And I think this goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's like, at a certain age, you have to be responsible for your actions and have to understand the repercussions for those actions. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like a Seven. young kid. Yeah, he was, I'm pretty sure, out of school, working like of age to know that that shit is not okay. Right. And still, he went ahead and did that. And that's crazy because... Even more so, he was from a political family. His father was the prime minister of Canada as well. Really? So that being like the context, you understand the ramifications of certain things when they come to light. Mm-hmm. And especially in like a day and age like this, shit always tends to come to light. Mm-hmm. So like, why would you ever, ever think that that shit was okay? And he was like, nah, I was, I was dressed up like Aladdin. First off, bro, a line's not that dark. Yeah. Not even in the Disney movie. You need to chill the whole fuck out. Well, it's this idea that in order to portray a character, if your skin does not match, you, you're not that character. That's not true. Because we've true. seen it even with Julianne Huff, this girl, this dancer. She dressed up as Crazy Eyes from Orange is the New Black and put some brown bronzer on her face. And she said, oh, I was just trying to p- portray the character. But if, you, you're, if you're trying to portray somebody, you don't have to paint your body yeah. another color. I think that's crazy. I don't know. And so this dude was trying to like justify like the use of blackface based on people's intentions. So this is a little bit of the conversation. He goes, what do you think about this blackface stuff? Isn't it kind of harsh to bring up stuff that people did 10 to 30 years ago when maybe people didn't care if people dressed up as another race? And I was just confused because just because people Mm -hmm. don't care, does that make it okay? (laughs) And then I brought up an example of like black people not being allowed to eat at certain restaurants. And just because that was seen as not like, okay, does that like excuse it? I think that's another thing. People confuse legality with like morality. (laughs) Mm. That's not the same. Y'all hear that? Say that again. People confuse legality with morality. A word. so like, you know, for a time, it was illegal for a black person to walk down the street with white people around. Mm-hmm. Like, that shit doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. At all. And for somebody to be like, I th- what did they say? That a couple years ago, people didn't care. Mm-hmm. And people, he said, That's not true either. People <laughs> have always fucking cared. We just couldn't speak out about it because yeah. we would get killed. And the thing with blackface is that... The people that are doing it are the racists. So, of course, they yeah. don't care because they're the ones that are portraying it. And it's, it's, you have to take into the, the context of like blackface, not only in this country, but like internationally. Like, it's never been about an honest portrayal of somebody who has darker skin. Mm-hmm. It's always a caricature of what they are. It always uses a whole bunch of stereotypes mm-hmm. that aren't true. Right. Um, for black people, it's like you have the darkest skin possible, mm-hmm. big red lips, yeah. they're loud, they're Sambo, boisterous. Yeah. yeah, and that's just always been problematic and, at its core. Yeah, and that's that's a lot of like the stuff that you said, people don't get that. And to follow it up, this is what he also said. He said, I mean, yeah, it's bad, but before most of the time it was without evil intent. Like, I'll be honest, in third grade, I was in a play where I was an African kid, and I was, as well as other kids, painted their faces brown. And there wasn't any evil intent behind my actions. I'm pretty sure the teacher was black as well. 
problematic. But, but being ignorant of the context of something doesn't mean that it's okay for you to do that, mm-hmm. that thing. Like, bro, if you're driving a taxi and some dude goes and robs a bank and you see that shit happening, you're like, oh, bro, that wasn't my intent. I'm just driving around. He it doesn't hop- matter. He hopped in my shit. I got to drive him wherever. Mm-hmm. You're still wrong for that, you know? Mm-hmm. And this person that uh, DM'd me is white adjacent. So I feel like when it comes to issues of race and racism and stuff, because blackface, of course, is racist, I think a lot of people feel that discussions about race is specifically for black people. But race and racism is not black people's problem. It's white people's problem. It's everybody's problem. So like, when we're going to have a discussion about this, it shouldn't only be black people pushing the conversation. White people also have a responsibility to look at their cog in the system, Mm. because we're all a part of it, because we live in America. 100%. Yeah. So I had to get that off my chest because it bothered me that somebody can have such a big blind spot when it comes to races and then he also brought up then nobody should dress up as another race he said that then if i like wear a black mask and i'm going as a black character isn't that not racist i'm like no it's not racist yeah it's racist if you're going like i'm gonna be a black person for halloween and i think that's problematic in a way but first of all who does that in the first place that's what i'm saying like who does that that's so weird people are going as like goblins and shit you know and you decided to be me bro like it doesn't make any sense (laughs) And I was like, if you're wearing a costume and that per- like, okay, let's say I wanted to be Superman for Halloween. Superman is white. I'm black. In order for me to be Superman, I don't need to paint my body and my yeah, face white. I just got to put on a suit and you know that yeah. I'm fucking Superman. Like people aren't stupid. So I don't think that's an excuse. He might have been young at the time and thought that that was okay. Whoever his teacher was, was in the wrong because you yeah. can't allow that to happen. And that, that's so fucked up in my opinion. <laughs> I don't know. But that bothered me. Okay, I think that was it for our stories in the news. So now we're going to get to our main topic. And our main topic today, we're talking about fraternities, sororities, frats, whatever you want to call it. And I think it's important for us, before we even get to that topic, to kind of discuss like our journeys throughout school. Because I think that can kind of inform mm-hmm. your decision. Because you are a part of a frat, right? Yeah, I am a member of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. Okay, are y'all the one that go woof woof or whatever? <laughs> That was horrible. Horrible. <laughs> we we yeah, we we do bark on occasion. Okay. Um, Interesting. But yeah, we're the one with the the gold boots, purple shirts, uh, camo ripped pants, all that good stuff. Okay. So for us to dive into our main topic, we have to like understand like where we came from. So I grew up. <laughs> my parents made a concerted effort growing up to make sure that I went to the best schools, and we know that in the United States, the best schools are areas where there's a lot of white, white people, people because everything is based on public funding. The better your neighborhood is funded, the better your schools will be. So I live in a great neighborhood. So in return, I go to a great school. And a consequence of that, I also went to school with a lot of white people growing up. Um, nothing like too problematic happened in my upbringing, but I always felt that there was a piece of myself missing because I didn't grow up with a lot of black people. So I felt like in a way that I... I wasn't in touch with my blackness the way that my other black friends that went to other schools were. And I kind of longed for that. So that's something that I like experienced all the way up until high school and then coming to college. It was different because I was around more black people. I was away from, you know, the bubble that I, white bubble that I was in in the schools I went to growing up. And I was able to talk to different people, meet different people and get different perspectives. I don't know if you can relate to that. Um, I can definitely relate to that. So um, <laughs> I grew up in a military family, so I moved around a lot. So I'm not even from Texas. Okay. I was born in State College, Pennsylvania. 
Uh, we moved from there to Puerto Rico for a couple of years, back to State College, then to Madison, Alabama, and then finally to like in third grade, I think we moved to uh, Mansfield. Mm -hmm. But in every city, I was really like one of the only black kids that went to my school, <laughs> even in Madison, Alabama. Um, and so I definitely understand where you're coming from. Like, it's weird to kind of look around and you be the only one that looks like you. I hate it. The only one that really understands how you feel being like the token everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. And I was in like upper like AP classes, so in a lot of those classes, it's very segregated. Yeah. You don't see a lot of black people. At least I did in my classes, and I hated that. I hated my experience in high school. I don't know if you liked high school, but I, I, mean, I hated it. Yeah, it was like it was something, but I don't. It was just like another day because i think really our time in high school is kind of indicative of how life is in a majority of the country mm -hmm. um which sucks like that's the worst but mm -hmm. i think it kind of prepared us in a way for how kind of like hostile the world can seem sometimes mm -hmm. um but i definitely experienced like kind of resurgence of being around blackness whenever I graduated from high school and I got Moved to, college. to college. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I call it the fountain of blackness. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like a lot of black people that we went to high school or not to, yeah, that we did go to high school with found the fountain of blackness. Yes. So if y'all are listening, you're like, what is this fountain of blackness? The fountain of blackness is basically whenever you like grow up in a predominantly white area, you move on to college and you start being exposed to different people, more people that look like you, you find the fountain of blackness so basically <laughs> you find your blackness basically 100% yeah and I feel like a lot of people find the fountain of blackness when they move on from high school and I definitely did yeah and it it's really it's funny because like people notice that in me mm -hmm. like even my uh, my non-black friends mm -hmm. that I had from high school mm -hmm. which I'm still super cool with and you know they love the fact that I was acting more like comfortable around myself mm -hmm. but like they're like yo I like it. You're acting more black. <laughs> like, really? I was like, yeah. Oh, so people notice the change in oh, you? Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay, so knowing where we came from, you are part of a black fraternity, right? Yeah. Was part of the reason why you decided to join a black fraternity because you wanted to be around more black people? Um. Well, I grew up in a family where a bunch of people are members of fraternities, mm -hmm. um, two in particular, Omega Sci-Fi and Kappa Alpha Psi. Okay. So I, I knew from like when I was four that I was probably going to pledge really? something. Mm -hmm. But when I got to school, because University of Alabama is really like a bigger Mansfield. Really? It's there's very well, few I, black I feel people. like I could, could yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you, it's kind of like you know you spend your first week, you're kind of like out in the whole of the university, mm -hmm. you're trying to do multiple things, get involved with a whole bunch of stuff, mm -hmm. go out, meet people, whatever. And I think one of the first um, things that turned me away from like white fraternities as a whole is I was there at a party. Mm -hmm. I think we were drinking. It was like I was there with my two roommates who were both white mm -hmm. and like four black people walked in. Mm -hmm. So there's five of us okay. in this whole mansion uh, of people oh, partying uh -huh. and i hear somebody in the back like oh it's getting a little dark in here uh -uh. and i was like okay uh -uh. and it's not like it's not like it really surprised me it was just like wow it, they, it confirmed yeah basically. it just yeah i was like is everybody thinking that and mm -hmm. then they said it and i heard like a whole bunch of laughter i'm like yeah okay uh -uh. and so like i don't know after that i was kind of like not really fucking with ever going over there again right. really and so <laughs> 
it kind of like made me view school a little different. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like more aware, yeah, aware and on edge and kind of like defensive in my interactions with non-black people. Mm-hmm. And it kind of drove me towards having more black friends. Mm-hmm. And I still had like white friends. Like I had tons of white friends, but they were all like, you know, there's like that the white people who grew up in a multicultural area. I call it WWs. WWs. Yeah. <laughs> woke whites. Woke whites. <laughs> yes, it was woke whites. And then there's the you know down south good old boys, mm-hmm. and those are definitely the kinds of people that I stayed away from. And I was either I was hanging with my woke white friends, mm-hmm. or I was hanging with my black friends, mm-hmm. or me and my woke white friends, and my black friends are all hanging out together. Mm-hmm. But, it, but yeah, I don't I don't know how you do it because I feel like you have a lot of white friends. I don't have really any. Really? <laughs> I have one or one or two that I would call my friends. But for the most part, I don't have many. And I think when you mentioned going to that like white party and you feeling uncomfortable because you heard somebody say something racist, mm-hmm. the thing that changed me was the 2016 election. So that happened oh. kind of after we graduated from high school. Yes. So after that, there was a shift. A lot of people that you might have fucked with before, you kind of stopped fucking yeah. with them. And I felt like that. And that was a lot of people. And a lot of people got cut off. So as a result, I don't really have many white friends from like home. Mm-hmm. But I have like one or two that I met in Austin, but I really, for the most part, really don't have any. See, I, I kind of lucked out because like my friends were all pretty woke white. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> WW, I gave you a whole new term now. Yeah, I, I fuck with it though. Okay. But, um, so like when that happened, I, I knew that I wouldn't have to worry about them, you know, seeing any problematic shit and mm-hmm. being like, oh, you know, Trump 2020, all that bullshit. Mm-hmm. But like, I remember that night when it was confirmed Talk that about he won it. the yeah. election. Mm-hmm. I was in, I was in the dorm my second year because my parents were like, "No, you can't move off campus." I was like, "Okay, <laughs> they're still protecting." Yeah. yeah. So I was, I was in the dorm, and I literally remember like hearing people, you know, revving their engines and their big ass diesel trucks mm, going around campus no. circles. They got Confederate Are you flags and Trump. on your campus, yeah, bro. Bama is okay. Crazy. Look at my, look at me like, acting stupid on your campus. <laughs> so like, so like it's um. I don't know. Like, you got to think of... We still have buildings named after, like, slave owners. We still have um, unmarked uh, slave graves on campus. Mm -hmm. The slave quarters behind our president's mansion are still there. Mm -hmm. And people, for the most part, don't talk about it. Like, there's tours that we take... um, black students who want to come here mm-hmm. on the campus and we show them all these spots like yo this is really how it is mm-hmm. and it's wild because like it wasn't that long ago even that black people weren't allowed to go there mm-hmm. i met this year or two years ago mm-hmm. the first black student to ever enroll at the university of alabama wow still alive still alive wow. still doing well she's healthy she was joking with us laughing okay. all that stuff mm-hmm. and that's crazy because she's my grandma's age wow and she's, that's not she's very younger long. than my yeah. grandma and that's it's just crazy it just shows you how far we've come and still how far we need to go yeah. and that's that's crazy so knowing knowing the history of Alabama knowing where you came from whenever you were like applying for colleges and stuff did you ever look into going to an HBCU so oh and for y'all that are listening and y'all don't know what HBCU <laughs> is I have to preface these things because yeah. people I always think that people know what I'm talking about but they don't and HBCU is a historically black college or university so it's was founded by black people and it's to serve like the black community because of 
of course, in the past, we weren't allowed into certain institutions. So as a result, we started our own, and that's what an HBCU is. And additionally, that's why, you know, black fraternities and sororities exist, because we weren't allowed into predominantly white white ones. Right. Um, So what's crazy is, like, I never really looked at or thought about going to an HBCU Mm -hmm. when I was applying for college. Mm -hmm. Um, Growing up in state college, or being born there, really, I always wanted to go to Penn State, mm-hmm. but then that out-of-state tuition cost mm-hmm. came up. I was like, oh, that's not the move. No. But I also applied to um, Auburn and Alabama because my mom went to Auburn. My dad went to Alabama. Mm-hmm. Big football schools. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but also, my dad, whenever he got out of the military, he got 100% disability rating. Okay. So I got free tuition for any public school in the state of Alabama. Wow. And so those are the only two that I really looked at. I really just applied to Auburn because I wanted to appease my mom. <laughs> And I applied to Bama because I'd been there before. I liked the mm-hmm. campus. I liked the school. And I was like, okay, this seems this is, solid. This is the move. But yeah. I think if I had had the opportunity to really know about the number of HBCUs, even in just that state, because mm-hmm. Alabama has more HBCUs than any other really? state in yeah. the country, mm-hmm. um, I probably would have at least applied to like, five HBCUs. Mm-hmm. I was I, I almost going to go to Howard. So really? before I transferred, it was either UT or Howard. But um, Howard is a private school. And with yeah. UT, I'm getting in-state tuition and I'm basically going to go for free. Yeah. So I'm like, why not? So that was my decision. I would have gone to Howard, especially because I did an internship and I, I knew a couple people that already went to Howard because I was like, bet, that's, that's even yeah. better. But yeah, I think that HBCUs, we weren't even really taught about that in high school. 100%. Nobody, I didn't even know what an HBCU yeah, was no, in high school. And I, I think the only reason I knew about any HBCUs was just because of my family because I have family that went to like Alabama State and mm-hmm. Alabama A&M I have a couple cousins that went to Morehouse okay. and so I knew of those schools but I didn't really know about how prominent they were how much they do mm-hmm. um, and how well they actually stack up against like predominantly white institutions okay Okay, so we were talking about the like election of Trump and you like yeah. the craziness that happened on campus. So were you in your fraternity before or after that? Um, after. After? Yeah. Oh, so you're already in the fraternity. I mean, um, no. So that was when? Spring 2016? Fall of 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I didn't become a member until... March of 2017. Okay. And so I was, I wasn't in yet, but we were just about to start our uh, membership selection process. Mm-hmm. And so um, I kind of, I kind of knew that I was at least trying to be a member of my fraternity. Mm-hmm. But like when that happened, I think I remember just walking around and being like, where is the closest black person? I wow. Sure that, you know, I, I can imagine. Yeah. Being a minority <laughs> at a big school like that and how I can't believe people like with Confederate flags. Oh, well, I, and I think that's crazy because like that's normal there. Like, Fuck like, all, like even in and I think that's just like a, a, a southern thing, mm-hmm. like from really Louisiana over to Florida, mm-hmm. even Texas. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know. You go to like. House parties, Confederate flags. Are you serious? Yeah. If people I saw that, I would walk out. on the cars. People got them, like, painted on the shit. It's just, like... <laughs> That's a sign for me to leave. It's like, just if like I, normal. I'm telling it's you, really if I saw weird. that, I would leave. I think it's still... Or maybe they just got it taken off on the Mississippi state flag. Mm-hmm. Like, they have a Confederate flag in the corner. And that's just, like... 
daily life. That's crazy. Cool with it. That's crazy. And I had to explain to my friend why that shit made me uncomfortable. I think freshman year. Is this it's like yeah? I don't. And he he didn't get it. He's from he's from California. Okay. Like, he's like, and he he's not like grown up around all white people. Like he has you know black friends, but mm-hmm. he was still like kind of ignorant. Clueless. To, yeah. And it's not really his fault. It's just you you don't have to think about that. Mm-hmm. So it's never even been a thought in your head. Right. But like, and I think that's part of the reason why I don't really have white friends. Because it gets tiring to have to, to constantly explain, explain yeah. and explain and explain what I'm feeling. Because I can't... I don't blame them. But part of their experience, they don't know what we go through. Yeah. So if you've never lived it, if you've never seen it, you don't believe it. Yeah. And because you don't believe it, like anything that I'm telling you, it's just going in through one ear and out, out the other. other. That's that's why it's hard for me. It's like I don't want to do that constantly. Yeah. It's too much on my part because as a black person, as I mentioned before, it's not my job to explain my yes, experience exactly. to you, you know? And I think the only reason why in that situation he even really got it is because he was Jewish. So mm. he was like, I don't understand why you guys are so like upset about the Confederate flag. I was like, bro, how would you feel if you walked in a house party and they had a Nazi, Nazi flag symbol. on the wall? You'd be like, the fuck is going on? Yeah. And he was like... Damn, mm. I never thought about that. See, I'm like, because of yeah. your experience. So everything is based on your life experience. If you if you have nothing to connect it to, yeah. you're never really gonna understand it. 100%. But because y'all found common ground and he can relate, yeah. he gets it. But a lot of people still don't get it, yeah. or some people refuse to get yeah. it. Yeah, and I think that's the worst. Is like when you're willfully ignorant mm. of something that you know is like a fact. Yeah, just because it upsets you, or you feel like you're to blame, like. If you feel like you're to blame, you're probably doing some fuck shit right. on the side. I mean, even if you're not doing anything on the side, even though you didn't partake in anything racist or whatever, it's yeah. still a part of everybody's history. So the more we understand it, yeah. then we can work towards solutions, yeah. in my opinion. So as long as you continue to not think that race is a thing, that the problem is going to persist. Yeah. Like people think there's still people that think that racism is over and people are just making a big deal out of everything. Man, that shit is wild. It is wild. And or, or they think that racism, the only type of racism is when somebody like calls you the N-word to your face. I'm like, nah, nah. <laughs> no. Bro. And that was in that episode I was like, that's not the only type of racism. And like, I think even growing up in Mansfield, mm-hmm. I don't think that was ever like something that happened. Nobody was ever like calling me an N-word to my face. Right. It was always like Microaggressive shit. Like they'd be oh. like, "Oh yeah, Malik, you're not like the other black people. You're like mm. cool." And I hated that shit because it's like, bro, y'all don't think I'm like white enough to be cool, with y'all, mm-hmm. but I'm not too black. And then the black people see me as not black enough, mm-hmm. but still, but you can't too help white. that. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. Mm-hmm. But like that was the system that we had. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I can I can agree with that too. I I felt like that at times. I I was even problematic. I feel like the the way we grew up kind of brainwashed me in a way. I remember <laughs> in high school, I remember one of my white teachers, they loved me. She loved me so much. <laughs> she loved me so much and I remember I was like, "Yeah, I'm not like the other blacks." I remember saying, <laughs> but like I, I get that because you, it's it's like you're trying to assimilate to at least one side, mm-hmm. and you feel like if you don't have the support from that side, you have to go to this side, and whichever one kind of sticks, you kind of go with. Yeah, and that's how I felt, and I'm glad that I'm out of yeah. there because who knows if I stayed there longer, I might have had a Trump sticker on my car. Look, <laughs> hey, but the growth, we yes, the evolution, it. love to see it. Okay, so my question to you is, why do people join frats? We talked about that a little, and we talked about your reason and motivation Mm -hmm. for joining one. To me, I feel like people join frats and stuff for clout. I think that 
you hear this commonly, people join frats to make, and sororities to make friends. It's for people that need friends and can pay their way in or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's true, but am I wrong? Am I right? What do you I think? think? I think there are some people that join for like clout. They join because they think it's going to make them distinguish themselves somehow. It's going to get them friends. It's going to get them girls. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a whole bunch of fun. And it's like, look, bro. If that's not you before the letters, that is not going to be you after the fact. Mm-hmm. And and a, and a bunch of other things like if you don't do anything, if you don't have a good GPA, if you're not active in your community, nine times out of ten, bro, you're not getting chosen mm-hmm. to be a new member. Regardless of who you know, regardless of who your parents are, if you're a legacy, bump all that because we want people who are – Indicative of what our founders saw in themselves mm. whenever they started their fraternity. So if you don't match with that, you're not going to get yeah, in. Yeah, you're not going to get in. So to join like a fraternity, what, talk about the vetting process, like um, that experience. I don't know how much you can talk it was, about. It was uh-huh. really just like um, interest meetings. So, you know, you get to know people either through interactions on campus or you go to like official meetings. You meet like the advisors, um, the e-board. You mm. get to understand really how the chapter works. Um, you get to learn how long your chapter's been on campus, mm-hmm. little stuff. And then, you know, in the meetings, they'll kind of break you up into groups, get to know you, get to learn more about you, exchange phone numbers. You guys might hang out outside of that mm-hmm. and kind of like get to know each other because uh, our, our motto is friendship is essential to the soul. Mm. So if we can't be friends with somebody, if we can't, you know, rely on them, if we can't see ourselves growing with them in our friendship and like it's not just like you're getting something for the fraternity and you're not giving anything back mm. type thing then it's not going to work out interesting so you are a part of which fraternity omega sci-fi what what made you choose that one because there's the alphas yeah there's the kappas yeah i don't know what else so uh-huh. um on our campus we i'm pretty sure whenever i was uh yeah mm-hmm. whenever i was there we had um our alphas had a chapter still. Our sigmas still had a chapter. Um, the kappas still had their chapter. Mm-hmm. And then it was us. Mm-hmm. Um, and really just my upbringing, like, I was only ever looking at two. Mm-hmm. One, really, because the only person that I knew that was a kappa was my uncle. And okay. he would just get baby me to throw up their sign and <laughs> pictures. And so I didn't really know anything about them. Right. But, like, um, I saw the Omegas, like, doing stuff all the time mm-hmm. they'd be helping out on campus we have uh this event it's like a memorial service for mm-hmm. students who pass away every semester mm-hmm. they're always working that they were always at the food bank they were always um helping with habitat for humanity mm-hmm. they were always like out and about and then they still had time for fun and they still had a great chapter dpa mm-hmm. and we're doing all of this other stuff and i was like that's that's, that's the, the one, one for you hmm. yeah I feel like fraternities get a bad rap. They do. Why, why do you think that is? I think it's because of the way that things have been kind of leaks into how things are now. Before 1985, mm-hmm. people were getting hazed broad daylight. Really? Yes. And then, of course, times change and, and certain things change, aren't okay. But, like, people still want to put in place systems from the past into today. Mm-hmm. And so you get things like people getting injured losing their life mm-hmm. because what you want to do something from like 30 years ago right. initiation that doesn't prove that you're a better member than whoever what okay what is the purpose of hazing then 
people like people just do it because it was done to them. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. So that that tradition continues. There's, I mean, it's not supposed to. Mm-hmm. So like, we we try really hard to make sure that there's nothing happening like that either inside or outside because one, it's not it's not helpful to you. It's not helpful to the chapter. It doesn't make you a better person. It doesn't make you a better member. Mm-hmm. You're really just getting your ass beat and paying for it. Mm-hmm. You're stupid, right? And like, it's it's just dangerous, and it also causes divide. I've seen a lot of times where like, and not even in my chapter, like people I've met where they don't fuck with whole sections of their chapter, wow, whole pledge classes, whole lines, just because of what happened to them on pledge ship. And if y'all are gonna be a cohesive unit if y'all are gonna be friends mm-hmm. because that's what you know your fraternity sorority sorority y'all are a group y'all are friends those are supposed to be your brothers, your brothers for life yeah how the fuck is that supposed to work if they still have feelings because you wanted to beat the shit out of them for nothing mm-hmm. and like so some people can get the shit beat out of them and still not even make it I mean yeah I, I, I've heard of that it's like people get dropped but like that's like I just think hazing hazing is just like a stain mm-hmm. and people people who really understand that will tell you like if Greek life as a whole like regardless of like just like black fraternities and sororities mm-hmm. white fraternities and sororities included if they want to continue to exist the way they do mm-hmm. at least at the collegiate level for years to come that shit has got to stop well I think some okay I know for sure that some sororities don't get hazed and oh. some, some of course, do. So, Malik, you have a brand on your arm. So, I have uh-huh. I, I two on my arm, one on my chest. Oh, my God. So, some people would think that that's extreme. Like, that's yeah. wild to get a brand. Like, what well, do you... Uh-huh. I mean, some people get, like, tattoos of their, their fraternity, mm-hmm. you know? I, I think it's just, like, a choice. And this is definitely, like, an unofficial tradition. Like, the, the national office hates this. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, like, something we were forced to do. It was all by choice. We mm-hmm. met up one day. We're like, all right. Was that the most painful experience of your life? Oh, without a doubt. Oh, but, my God. But, like, it's, like, two seconds. Yeah. And and the healing and the scabbing Oh, over. the healing sucks. But, like, you know. So, your, did your parents know that that was going to happen beforehand? Yeah. So, my, my dad has three as well. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. He didn't tell my mom when he got them. So, he just, like, popped up. And she was, like, messing with him. Hit his arm. Oh, he was, shit. Like, yelping in pain. Uh-huh. But I, I, I told her it was going to happen. She knew it was going to happen. After I got him, I sent her a pic. I was like, hey. Hell no. She was, <laughs> she was like, shit. And I was Hell like, yeah. No. Like, I don't know. I, have, I don't know if uh, any Nigerians that have brands. I feel like that would not fly in my really? household. My I parents mean, would be, they, yeah, my dad, you scarred yourself for life. Like, <laughs> I think it depends on, like, the household. I know uh, a couple people who are Nigerian. Nigerian, mm-hmm. um, they weren't in my chapter, but they were at uh, a couple others in the state that I met, just like you know, road tripping, hanging out. Um, that had brands, mm-hmm. and I was talking to them about it. I was like, "Oh yeah, my, my parents hated this at first, but you know, they can't really do anything. About they can't it now. do anything now, but they would be hella. My parents would be hella mad because they believe that no tattoos, no piercings, like the body should be pure mm-hmm. or whatever. So if you're like permanently scarring yourself they're gonna oh they would never my mom would faint honestly (laughs) she would she would okay so what are the differences between okay there's alphas there's kappas and i don't know those are the two black ones i know i don't know the other ones or if there is the differences really are just like um core values core values and where and when they were founded do you think that i could get into a frat I think you could. Stop lying. No. It, <laughs> honestly, I think you could. I think... I Malik think, is so nice, guys. No, He's bro, lying. I think the idea that there's like a stereotypical look or persona for somebody in mm-hmm. a fraternity is like keeping really solid candidates for going for a fraternity. Really? Because like, 
people look at me like you're not a cute. I'm really? Like, yes, hundred percent. Because I'm 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 skinny mm-hmm. and I'm not like angry and shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not like going all out. So is that your stereotype? Yeah, our stereotype is like we're crazy. We're always partying. We do dumb shit. Mm-hmm. But like, that's not really how we are mm-hmm. at all. Like my 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 chapter, we won international chapter of the year for the past two years. Wow. And like you know, everybody kind of does their own thing, but we all try to exemplify the the pillars of our fraternity. Mm. Like we're not. We're not dumbasses. Right. I mean, because you have to maintain a certain GPA yeah. to even exist. We're not rude. We're not boisterous. We're not, you know, saying fuck them kids. Right. Like, we go out and help the community. Yeah. yeah. And I think... Interesting. It, you know, I've never I've never seen a gay person in a frat. Is that... A, I feel like that's an unwritten rule. See, mm. people think that. But okay. I, I know a couple members of many different organizations that are openly gay. Really? And yeah. they're in a the frat? Mm-hmm. Never seen And it. everybody knows. And it's like, you know, if we were to treat you differently because of your sexual orientation, mm-hmm. like, what does that really say about us? I mean, but how would they know, though? I mean, they um, wouldn't, right? Yeah, Until they, after they would, you're, they like, would. pledged through. I mean, yeah, th- people, you know, they could talk shit, you know. I feel like they would be mad. I feel like they would be like, oh, we'd like one of those in or something. I mean, I... There's, there's always a divide. So, like, younger members will be, like, more open to it. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely the older guys who might, you know, talk their shit or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's kind of indicative of, you know, society as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's, that's shitty. Like, that's not how things should be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, you know, I don't think that's... I don't think that's a reason for anybody to be barred from membership. Okay. So what what have you what have you gotten out of like being in your frat? Like do you think Absolutely. it was worth the money, worth the 100% the clout that you received? The clout that I received. <laughs> I don't think I got any clout. I was I was ducked off, kind of doing my own thing, stayed in the books, mm-hmm. you know. I uh, came out every once in a while beforehand, right. did the exact same thing afterwards. Okay. And people just see me wearing purple more. So okay. it's it's kind of like the same. But I I love um, just like the connections I've gotten out of it, the friendships I've made. Like I feel like I can go anywhere in the world really and be able to hit somebody up and be like, yo, you want to kick it, mm-hmm. get lunch, what's fun to do around here? And it, it, it'll not be awkward at all. At all. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, it's pretty cool. Like, people, I feel like in a lot of organizations, people claim to be like, you know, that's my brother for life. Mm-hmm. These are all my friends. Like, anybody in my organization needs help. They can reach out to me. But we kind of really live that. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember I was, I was driving from Tuscaloosa back to Mansfield through the night. Because mm-hmm. I was like, you know, fuck it, I'm going to just do it through the night. Right. And it's nine and a half hours. So I was like in... Louisiana somewhere I think like down the street from Monroe mm-hmm. when I stopped at this gas station I was wearing like a sweatshirt with my loaders on it this old dude he was probably like 50 he stopped me he was a member started chatting me up gave me like 40 bucks for gas said wow. you be safe and sent me on my way that's and like, crazy and, and that's like like people really look out for you that's, I think that's amazing. It's, like, more than just your family on campus. It extends yeah. beyond. Like, it, it really is, like, a family throughout the world. Mm. One, thing, one thing that I see everywhere is y'all strolling. Can oh, you expl- yeah. <laughs> Can you explain strolling? Why do y'all do that everywhere you go? Honestly, it's just... It's just fun. Like when you, when you when you when you first cross and you go to like your first party and you're strolling with your LBs, your 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 chapter brothers, like that's it's just lit. And mm-hmm. then 
you know, you kind of continue to do that here and there. It's right. Kinda, it definitely dies down after you leave undergrad. Right. Should. I don't think... <laughs> Like, I think it's weird when people are like, you know, at like a day party on Sunday, fun day. Mm, and they're not going to stroll. And they're all like pushing people out of the way. To, like, nah, bro. Relax. Chill. It's okay. It's yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's just like, it's just added to my uh, my fountain of blackness, mm. honestly. Because it's, it's just like, like more than just having like, you know, your group of black friends. It's like I got like 20 more black brothers. Like, that's sick. I have a whole bunch of people that I can rely on and talk to about like shit that I might not be able to talk to my white friends about because mm. they don't really understand it. Mm. They don't feel that. They don't get that. They haven't have to live that, so that it doesn't resonate with them the same way it does with my black friends. Right. So I'm glad that you that you, <laughs> you found the fountain of blackness. I'm glad that I found it. But yeah, I hope you guys liked our conversation. We talked about a lot of things. We a kind whole of lot of shit. a whole lot of shit. We talked about our experiences growing up in, I guess white bubbles and how the transition from high school changed us and Malik joining a frat and, de- <laughs> and debunking like I guess stereotypes when it comes to like frat culture and everything like that but I think this discussion was definitely interesting especially some of the stories that we talked about in the news so now I'm going to transition into listener letters so this week we have a letter and if you guys want to send us something you can email us at polaropposites.pod at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram so if you have any problems that you're going through if you want to ask our advice in any situation go ahead and ask and we will answer and give a give you the best advice possible all right so this person this is what this person had to say i have a friend who is self-centered and selfish in a way my friends and i have always had a group chat where we talk about random stuff for the most part when someone starts talking everyone else will start but my friend doesn't really respond to other people's texts the only time she tends to text a group chat is when we're talking about something and she'll just randomly say something else but she does it so much she changes the topic and then it becomes about her she also has a tendency to stop talking in the group chat for days, and instead of her to reach out to us about how she's feeling, which she's done multiple times before, she would act like a mute person and not say anything. Usually someone in the group chat notices, when, and then they chase her around trying to figure out what's wrong. I'm not sure if this type of behavior is selfish, because when she does stuff like this, we spend so much time catering to her, and it's ridiculous. I've had another friend agree with me. Huh. Hmm... I've, I I think I've had friends that do stuff like that. Yeah. Every friend, we kind of talked about this a little bit in your, either your hot take or your, your what's off your oh, chest yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But everybody responds differently to situations that are affecting them. Some people choose to talk about it. Some people choose to be silent and expect other people to notice what's wrong and help them in that way. But I think that the second version that I said is annoying because mm. why do I have to like notice that something is wrong yeah. or you start being distant for you to like speak up about what it is that's bothering you. And even if I notice what's wrong and I try to ask you and you start like dodging the question be like no nothing. Mm-hmm. It's like yo, like we both know you're lying right now, so why you even got to do this? But I think if it's a recurring thing and you guys have actually spoken about it and addressed that, then in turn it becomes selfish behavior because she knows she doesn't have to do that she can talk to you guys she can um you know come to you with whatever problems she has if she needs to vent if Mm -hmm. she needs to yell what have you but i think if it's continuously her kind of like expecting you guys to to cater to her then it is in fact a selfish it's an attention thing i think i i think even when i was younger i used to do that i used to be all quiet and be like justin what's wrong like (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, oh, what's wrong? Because I'm obviously like a loud, 
um, talkative person. So if I'm quiet, y'all know that something is wrong. So I used to do this thing where I used to be quiet and put my face down and people be like, Justin, what's going on? <laughs> and it's an attention thing. People do it for attention and maybe it speaks to a bigger thing where she needs attention and by doing that, she gets what she wants. But I think that if that's something that's annoying you, if that's something that you're all seeing, I think it's something that needs to be addressed. If she's going through something, the best way isn't to be quiet, it's to talk about it. So whatever way that is, she needs to change up her approach because you're going to lose friends. And if you want people to help you, doing that and staying quiet over and over again, people are going to get tired and they're not going to want to help you anymore. Yeah. So... I don't know. I think you should talk to that friend and tell her the things that you're noticing and then hope that she changes. But then if she doesn't, then if you want to ignore it, I feel like you're justified to do so because you've told her that you don't like the way she responds whenever she's upset or whatever. Also, if, if you and this friend who have spoken about this and both agree have not spoken to her about it, y'all messy. Yeah. Y'all are her friends. <laughs> know who your friends are. Because, yeah. Yeah, y'all definitely need to like address it because people are going to get mad, drama is going to start, and you don't yeah. want things to escalate at all. Definitely not. Yeah. But thank you for sending that letter. So if y'all have anything that y'all would like to, us to address, we will definitely do that. And yeah, thank you guys for listening. Malik, thank you for joining me this episode. Happy to be here. How was it for you? Were you nervous? Oh, it was lit. Okay. I, I, was, I was probably a little nervous at the beginning. Yeah, rightfully so. But then this, this was a good episode. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. And I hope you guys have a good rest of your week. And as always, I'll catch you guys on the next one.